the end of Given Thursday podcast, World Cup preview carries on with Group C, featuring Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. Argentina and Saudi Arabia play on the first match week or match day, along with Mexico and Poland. Then Argentina face Mexico, Poland face Saudi Arabia, and finally they wrap up on November the 30th with Poland versus Argentina and Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia versus Mexico. Oh, dude, now I want a Saudi Arabia. Like you want a Saudi Arabia? Middle Eastern Saudi Arabia? Oh, <laughs> man, that'd be so good. That might get you in prison. Good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that seems risky. I'm starting a restaurant now. We're yeah. only selling Saudi-themed arepas. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Argentina. Yeah, we can start there. Yeah, the favorites... Uh, of the group, for sure. One of the favorites of the whole tournament. Yeah. I mean, for obvious reason, they have Lionel the, Messi. And a really good... Not only a Lionel Messi, but Lionel Messi, who's in excellent form. Mm-hmm. Unlike his transition year last year, where his dog Hulk wasn't happy in Paris. Oh, now his dog's Hulk, he's settled. Oh, that's So now he's playing well. Yeah. Such a cute dog, too. Um, enormous dog. Yeah. But, yeah, he's not... And on top of that, I think this is... Probably the strongest side Messi's had accompany him to a major tournament. Yeah, he no longer has to carry the whole load by himself. He gets to share a little bit of that. Which, it's crazy to say, because he has had so many good... There's been tons of good Argentina players he's played with. They're, you know, Kuhn, Higuain, both who are in great form. Obviously, like, Mascherano. They've had lots of players, but I don't think they've had a cohesive, complete squad the way they do this year. Yeah, there's always been it's huge, very balanced. glaring holes in the squad, yeah. either. Especially in the midfield. Yeah, I was going to say, usually in the midfield, sometimes defense has been an issue for them. Uh, but right now, they just look, like, pretty complete. And when you try to pick out a weakness, I mean, maybe the lack of pace in the back line could be an issue. But, I mean, outside of that... It's hard to find one thing that this team is bad at. Yeah, they're pretty complete. They also on 35 game unbeaten streak heading into the World Cup. Only two behind Italy's tally of 37. They collected in the groups. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, yeah, they play in a 4-3-3 or 4-3-2-1. Often defend in a 4-4-2. Pretty customary Mm -hmm. for a team of their stature. Messi will kind of tuck in and join Lautaro up front in that 4-4-2 block to minimize his. Sort of pressing weaknesses at his age. Yeah, I mean, also just so he doesn't have to waste stamina doing something he's right. not affected at. They've also been one of their one of the keys to their thirty five game unbeaten streak is really fast starts. They've been scoring like a ton of goals in the first halves and early in those first halves, like first twenty minutes. Yeah, uh, I wonder if they can keep that up when you know teams will be doing everything in their power to shut them down at a major tournament. And how high will they keep their line? You know, they used, they like to keep it a little high, but will they adjust that given the the, the stage? Mm-hmm. Maybe they drop a little further back into a mid, more mid block sort of thing. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, I'm a little. I think another weakness area you could potentially see is dealing with the physicality that you might get at the World Cup because obviously, like Mexico plays in Concacaf, right? So they're a very physical team. Every team in Concacaf wants to just kick your shins. Maybe elbow you in the face, wow. throw a bag of piss on you. It's what, crazy. No, the U.S. does it too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm including the U.S. and Canada in this. Do not worry. <laughs> we love throwing little bags of piss on the field in this confederation. So, you know, I mean, obviously Argentina, the Common Bowl has a little bit of that too. But when you look at kind of their front group of players, I mean, Dybala is a physical wreck all the time. Now, how's Dybala's fitness? Uh, he came on against... 
in Roma's last game, if they were mm-hmm. playing, won a penalty and then refused to take it. He's a typical penalty taker for him. Uh-huh. Pass it off to Belotti. So I think there might still be some mental, like, Did pulling Belotti back miss? a little bit um, that he's trying to Did overcome. Belotti miss? What? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Roma, man. They can't score. That's great stuff. Yeah. Um, so obviously Dybala got hurt a few weeks ago taking a penalty. Pulled his hamstring. It's so sad. Um, it is. He what is, a sad way to make yeah. it. But he's, he's working he, his way He back. made it, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then he kind of, like, just hobbled over to do a very small... Very sad. ...little celebration and then yeah. left the game. Uh, yeah, he's a physical mess right now. Uh, but Lautaro isn't the strongest player. You know, he's very fast, but sometimes struggles against physical battles. And Messi is a little older. Might not be able to take all the shoulder shoving. Shoulder shoving. Yeah, he'll get it. So I think that's a potential way that you could cause problems for them. Kick the shit out of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then you put yourself in a position where you have Dabala and Messi. On free kicks. On free kicks, yeah. which is really tough. Um, should we talk about their defense? And look at who could be playing there. Yeah, and... I really question, is yet another, is Lissandro Martinez tall enough to play in a World Cup? Absolutely not. At any position? No. It's only, what, 5'9"? Yeah. That's tiny. It's yeah. basically... Like what is he? Three inches person. taller than Leo? Come on, yeah. not 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 tall enough. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I another question of fitness has been Tottenham's man. My brain just felt, what uh, Romero. It? Romero, Christian yeah. Romero has been a little bit in and out of the lineup recently, which has been frustrating for me watching Spurs games because he's clearly our best defender by far. Um, he also has. A little bit of that, a little bit of that devil in him, you know. Mm-hmm. He'll like, he's not without a red card, you know. Yeah. He'll he'll yeah. I would look out for his card accumulation because <laughs> he can get a little feisty. Um, I think it maybe depends on the game, but Lissandro Martinez seems like the most likely to start alongside him. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, I really like Petzella, but I don't think he starts on this team. I think he's just a really good backup option mm-hmm. at center back for them. Zello's so at Batiste right now. They still have Otamendi. Yeah, they brought plays. him. Uh, he's at Benfica. Tons of experience. Yeah. He's actually plays for Benfica, too. Like. And Benfica are really, really are good. Really good. He doesn't play like every game. But right? So. He can at least provide something mm-hmm. in squad. Yeah. In and squad depth. They might and... need that kind of leadership back there when mm-hmm. Emiliano Martinez is in goal, who can be a little psychotic. <laughs> yeah, but in um, the best way. Oh, yeah, in a way that usually works out. That could be one thing with this Argentina team is that they have a couple of guys that are that could be prone to a tiny bit of psychosis. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, it's the type of thing that, like, in a knockout stage, if you do some, one stupid thing and get a red card, suddenly the tournament is in jeopardy. Yeah, I mean, Romero can do that. Yeah. Uh, even Molina at Atletico. He can be a little dark arts merchant at times, so yeah, they'll probably they gotta be just playing, keep their heads on straight. Probably be playing right back for them. Got to keep their heads on. I think there's questions on left back and who plays there. I right? agree. Yeah, probably Taliafico. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Um, but they're not going to get a lot of offensive contribution from their fullbacks, mm-hmm. which is probably okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you look at who will play in their midfield, I mean, yeah, they have a lot of progressive midfielders. Yeah, Guido Rodriguez, Rodrigo De Paul. Like, mm-hmm. two really, really good attacking midfield options. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, their group of players up front is incredible. Yeah. So Lautaro is in really good form. Mm-hmm. Angel Di Maria. Dybala, is... if he's healthy, had a good start to the fall. Like Roma, mm-hmm. before he got injured, 
Di yeah. Maria could be like a nice piece off the bench, like even though yeah. he played like shit for Juve. Uh, part of that's because he really doesn't want to play. For doesn't want to be there. Just there to stay fit for yeah. the World Cup. Um, uh, Nico Gonzalez, I think, is a really, really interesting player for Argentina because his directness on the wing uh-huh. could cause a lot of problems. For and there's Julian Alvarez having mm-hmm. a solid debut at City yeah. despite only being 21. They just kind of have like never-ending options up yeah. there. Alvarez actually turned 22 recently. Wow. So. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. What about Enzo? Enzo, for, I love Enzo Fernandez. Enzo's fun, right? I don't think he'll get the game time in this tournament. But I really, really like Enzo Fernandez. He's at Benfica right now. We talked about how they're still undefeated. He's playing a ton for them. It's a key part of their midfield. He's good defender in the midfield. Really good passer. I think he adds a lot to teams. But I don't think he starts for this Argentina team. So yeah, um, I think Guido Rodriguez, Rodrigo De Paul are probably the first two names in the midfield I put down, and then Paredes. Unfortunately, one one because. They very likely, if Lo Celso was healthy, he would have started. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately for him, he's injured yeah. and will not participate, which is a bummer for him and for the team because he always really put his best his best boots forward yeah. for the Argentine national team of late. And yeah, he started. He's one of the guys that started in the in the Copa America final last mm-hmm. year, which they defeated Brazil in. Um, so I think he'll. He could be a, a, a decently sized loss there. Definitely. Um, Paredes. Paredes. Will probably be an important player in the midfield, kind of linking the defense and the actual midfield because DePaul and Guido Rodriguez would get forward a lot. Uh, and then if they use a 10, there'll be players there. Uh, yesterday, though, they played the UAE and they went with a 4 4 2. It was Foyth, Odomende, Martinez, and Acuna. Was that mm. left back, which I think was interesting. Um, Paredes and DePaul took the middle of the midfield, and then they played McAllister. Why? Yeah, it's a player we should mention I... McAllister because he's had a terrific season for Brighton so far, and he can play if they're playing in that like four three three. He can fl- drop in and is more of a natural six. Yeah, and uh, offer them something different there. I don't, I don't know if he'll start, but I think he's actually quite a good option for them. Yeah, I was surprised by his inclusion because he reminds me just so much of Rodrigo DePaul and that he can be that 6, he can be the 8, the 10, the winger. Like I feel like they Yeah, but he's been in stuff. like he's been in like really and he's been mm-hmm. called up for a bit now. Like uh, yeah, I'm not questioning his talent. He's an excellent like, for him, yeah. You know, I'm not surprised that he I think he's one of their first midfield backup options cuz mm-hmm. I don't think he starts over. Probably not Rodrigo DePaul, but I was a he has started in some of like, the September friendlies leading up to the... Yeah, and obviously he played in the warm-up game, so that's yeah maybe an indication that he is expecting to get some minutes. He definitely will. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's obviously one of the potential breakout players mm-hmm. for this team. I also think Nico Gonzalez, Enzo Fernandez, Julian Alvarez all have a chance to kind of make a mark in their first real chance to play in like a big tournament. Yeah, who gets to, who gets to be the best impact sub... Mm-hmm. You know, could be a. They have a lot of like Brazil in particular. They have a lot of different sorts of looks they can throw at you off the bench. That mm-hmm. especially when you hit like seventy minutes in a in an important game could be an absolute nightmare for an opponent's defense. It's trying to keep things tight. Yeah, I also think Nahu Molina could be a big player for them. I think not a lot of people talk about him because no one wants to watch Atletico. Yeah, because they are fair enough. Yeah, tough to watch sometimes. Uh, but he's really good defensively, and uh, 
probably the only player they brought in defense that can get forward a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. We want to Saudi Arabia. Expectations. Oh yes. Win the World Cup. Yeah, I think that's. They finally have the. Uh, they finally have a championship under their belt. They've been waiting for so long to get that to get that Copa. So maybe maybe that's the missing piece that they yeah. have that championship pedigree now finally and they know yeah. what it takes. And speaking of winning the World Cup, I uh, made this Saudi Arabia. Well, I was. I, this is, <laughs> I made this offhand comment. I think to you uh, before. You make a couple so days many ago. I make a lot of offhand comments, but and off color. No, I'm a very politically correct person. Please don't get me canceled on this podcast. It would be really bad for my future career. Um, but Lino Messi, like for me, I think he's the best soccer player of all time. Right. Yeah. But I don't you have a little bit of generational I was bias. Like, he's maybe? not probably. But then I was like, he's not in my mind the best Argentinian player of all time. <laughs> I think that's still Maradona because when I think of Maradona, I think of him and Argentina celebrating the World Cup. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, when I think of Argentinian soccer, that's the first image that pops in my head. And second's the hand of God goal. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, it's very Maradona-focused. And so I you're feel saying like, Messi should use his hands more this tournament. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, like, if Messi wants to be considered the best Argentinian player of all time, for some people, he probably needs oh, definitely. to win a World Cup. Yeah. Which is just, like, it's crazy. That I think you that's can how be, people in the country feel, generally. Yeah. It's crazy that you can be the best player of all time and still not your country's yeah. best player. <laughs> but, Saudi Arabia... Uh, another World Cup favorite. <laughs> they have the lowest FIFA ranking of any nation at the World Cup 51st. It's a spot behind Qatar. They have a French coach named Irv Renard. Actually, has a solid history. He is the only, I believe, the only coach to win AFCON twice with two different mm-hmm. teams, two different nations. That would be Ivory Coast and Zambia. Wow. I mean, the Ivory Coast one, they'll always be competing for the AFCON title, but Zambia, that's... Yeah. Isn't that in shock? That's really crazy. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. I didn't even know they'd won. Uh, he also coached Morocco to their first World Cup since 98 in 2018 when they made that appearance. He's one of those national team specialists. Yeah, right? especially in Africa, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a perfect world, they'd want to play some possession football, short goal kicks, building up from the back, all that. It's unlikely they'll be able to do much of that in this group. Mm-hmm. Uh, in... The Asia World Cup qualifiers, they had the least direct speed of any team. so That's impressive. Yeah, but it makes you wonder how well they'll be able to cope with having to main the counterattack to create chances in this group. They're going to probably just struggle to defend against the top sides too. Argentina in particular, I think, is going to be a tough day for them because uh, they just really don't have the people personnel to mm-hmm. keep up with some of those attackers. Yeah, that's it. I'm done. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. I thought you were going to keep going. No. Uh, I mean, that's will... how we'll, we'll, we'll circle back around to yeah. pull some players. They will probably come out in a 4-3-3, but mm-hmm. they have, typically when they have a lead, they switch to a 4-1-3-2. Love it. So we might not see that this tournament, because we might not see Saudi Arabia get a lead. It's basically a 4-4-2. Um, <laughs> yeah, but with a yeah, yeah. pure defensive well, yeah, midfielder. Yeah, yeah. You know. um, so that's could be a tactical thing that they make a move for if they're drawing late in the game and want to grab a point maybe they do that kind of frustrate some teams a little bit Mm -hmm. uh they will have a ton of support at this world cup yeah i mean saudi arabia borders qatar if you don't know your geography they do not like each other they they get along they haven't right now they do barely yeah but they the saudi people are very remember the blockade 
Yeah, that was a while ago. <laughs> it was not that long ago. In a different point. The Saudi people are ago. very welcome in Qatar right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so expect a lot of... The rivalry. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely a rivalry, but like... Really they're know. very they're welcome like, to come to Qatar. Like, really it's like not like other. it's not like Iran, where the Qatar Iranians also killed one trouble. of their journalists. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was that a Saudi journalist? Yeah. Oh, I thought that was a European. journalist. And it was definitely Crown Prince that killed. Him. I thought it was a European journalist. He was in Turkey. Oh, okay. He was in Istanbul. Okay, maybe that's what I was thinking then. Yeah, the CIA said that it was very likely the squad, the assassination team was very likely directly sent by the Crown Prince. Yeah, Qatar and Qatar has some problems. <laughs> and they all have problems there. Yeah, and they all have... Um, they're all the good and bad guys, yeah. constantly. But there will be a lot of people coming from Saudi cities to come watch the World Cup. Uh, and expect, like, when they play, that there's going to be a lot of full stadium, a lot of people cheering on Saudi Arabia. Maybe not the Qatari locals, who might take some pleasure in seeing Saudi lose. Mm-hmm. But they'll have a lot of... There's only support. like 2 million people in the whole country. So yeah. There's not... Only so many of them can go root against Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing is every single player on their team is coming from the Saudi League. Mm-hmm. We saw the same thing with Qatar. So it's kind of interesting that the Middle Eastern players tend to stay in the Middle East. Right? And only play in their domestic league. Um, but that could help with like the gelling of the team tactically. You know, a lot of familiarity. A lot of the players coming from the same teams. Uh, but... You should talk about some of their players. Yeah, their best player is Salam al-Dasari. He's an attacker. He can drop in and combine a little bit with midfielders. He can attack the box. He takes their set pieces and their penalties. Mm -hmm. He's their Harry Kane. Yeah. He's he's good. And breakout players, anybody anybody you want to know? I put Firas al-Buraikin. He's 22 years old, so he's not at his peak yet. Obviously playing in the Saudi League, um, but... He's at Al Fateh, who are not one of the biggest teams there. Hmm. But when I've never heard of that. When he scored, he's scored in like the big games. He scored against Japan, China, and Oman in qualifiers, and all of his goals were the decisive goal. Mm-hmm. So I, if Saudi Arabia score, I would expect it to be from Albert Aiken. Mm-hmm. And it, he has a penchant just for scoring these big goals that kind of decide matches. So mm-hmm. you can see his goal being the difference you know, between them grabbing no points or one point or yeah. one point and three points. And so. uh, they did finish above, to give some credit to the team, they did finish above Japan, I think, in mm-hmm. World in the, did, their yeah. half of the, mm-hmm. in their group in the they, Asia qualifiers. They so. dominated qualifiers. They, they did, really, yeah. really good. So it's like, it seems like kind of, and they made the last World Cup. It seems kind of ridiculous that they're like a footballing nation, but they have an okay team. Yeah, they, they just don't have, yeah. they the just don't have any like high mm-hmm. level quality at any, at any other position other than, yeah. Aldasari, I think. Yeah. Um, it, it is interesting that they're the lowest ranked team here. I was a little surprised to see that. Yeah, well, the FIFA rankings are total horseshit. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's like when you look at go back and look at their results, they have good results against big teams that are ranked ahead of them. And it's just like a little surprising that they're still in the 50s. But yeah, yeah, the FIFA ranking system is kind of garbage. Yeah. That said, I don't expect a lot from them. I think their main goal will be to not embarrass themselves. And yeah. if they... And this is a really tough group as well. This is. There's not really much of a chance, but I, I really, this, I literally cannot see a path in which they have any chance of going through. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe they get like a surprise draw or win somewhere. Yeah. But and that I bet will probably be their aim. Yeah. Just so be competitive, as competitive as possible. I agree with you on that. It's hard to see them getting a real result in this group, mm-hmm. but maybe snagging it. Like draw. in 2018, they lost their two opening games and then basically played Egypt for. Uh, 
third place for pride yeah and they won that game okay they shouldn't have but they did yeah. so they you know that could be something similar yeah. all right a let's team that mexico. probably thinks it can get out of the group mexico this is very exciting calf. let's go this is very exciting to talk about mexico yeah um they like to possess the ball push up high in possession they outdid the u.s in the usa the usa in CONCACAF qualifying and all those metrics they like to attack in the wide areas uh, per the athletic they were the top side in the continent for qualifying for in qualifying for chance creating carries so they like dribbly boys on the wings and this may actually be an area where they can exploit our argentina's defense looking ahead to that game in particular um, if they're able to force some turnovers and get it out wide quickly, there could be some matchups Speaking that they could of that, attack. I was also thinking the speed they have in attack, particularly from Chucky Lozano, the Napoli winger. Chucky. Who, he's super quick. And when you look at Argentina and Poland, like their defenses are not super speedy. Definitely not so Poland. So <laughs> definitely a chance, I think, for Chucky in particular to make a big difference in this group with his yep. speed and going at those defenses the problem though is despite that and getting into good attacking areas they kind of struggled to finish the ball they scored 17 goals in the octagonal uh that's six less than canada mm-hmm. four fewer than the u.s yeah Raul Jim- jimenez led the team in goals in the in the octagonal but it was only three and they're all from penalties yeah and he's been struggling for Wolves in the Premier ever League since this he, season. Ever since he had his head injury, he hasn't really been the same. Yeah, so you definitely have to... That raises a huge red flag for this team. Is yeah. the Because they like to have that kind of talismanic player up top, so to not have that is mm-hmm. a huge issue for them. Yeah, they need. They just need... They need people... They need at least one player who's like being regularly clinical mm-hmm. to mop up chances. Yeah. Another issue with them is age. They have they do have some fun young players out there in the ether, but a lot of players on this on this roster are from older generations and people who are still really important to how the squad goes. That's just kind of what you get with Tata, mm-hmm. the manager who really likes veterans like so yeah. much. They have ten players who are thirty or older yeah. and one who's forty. Yeah. So yeah, uh, some Mexican supporters are feeling it seems that this age issue is contributing to some recent staleness in the team. Mm-hmm. You know, they lost a Nations League and Gold Cup final to the U.S., albeit the bladder with rotated squads, but they haven't been... And, you know, they did finish second in the Octagon you know, on level points with the U.S. ahead of them, mm-hmm. but yeah, they did lose... They lost to both the U.S. and Canada in qualifying. So it hasn't all been... It hasn't all been swimming for them of late, and I think there's... I think there's certainly excitement, as there is always, but maybe a little bit of concern that they're entering a stale period and that they need to revamp the squad after this. Yeah, and they almost always get out of the group, too. So I think They have, they have um, for seven straight competitions. And then they fail to get to the quarterfinals. Seven. Yeah, yeah. seven straight eliminations in the round of 16. That's wild. crazy. And 06 and 2010 were both to Argentina, actually. Yeah. Um, so there probably is a little concern, I think, back home in Mexico and... Mexican supporters that this could be the year that breaks that and not the way they wanted to break it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is Poland's a tough opponent to get out of a group against. And the team is like you said, old and Tata has been under some fire for finishing second in the qualifying group because it was to Canada. Yeah. I think if you finish second to the U S that's okay. Understandable. But yeah. when Canada's Canada got two, four points off of them. Yeah. It's uh, definitely been not the best time for Mexico. Uh, 
So when we're it's home, all about that quinto partido. Fifth game. Oh yes. Quarterfinals. Yeah. See, my Spanish not great, but uh, they will probably try to control tempo and possession. I might not against Argentina. Yeah, probably. Not. But against Poland, that'll probably be their metric. They, I think they are a very good pressing team. Um, you know, so I think that could be a way to win, especially against Poland. Again, I'm focusing heavily on this Poland game. Yes, yeah, so I think the, that's the key. It's gonna one. be the key one. Yeah. Yeah, I expect both those teams to lose to Argentina. Yeah. Um, or at best get a draw. So, uh, speaking of the Poland game, I did want to highlight Cesar Montes, six foot five. It's tall. Yeah, and really good in the air. So I think him going against Lewandowski could be like the decisive matchup of this group. Uh, Lewandowski, the Polish striker, is one of the best in the air in the world. He's one of the best strikers. We'll period. talk about him in a minute. Yeah, get more into him, period. But Cesar Montez's height mm-hmm. and ability is going to be really, really important. And he's still playing in Mexico. So, like, we don't really know what to expect from him because we haven't seen a lot of the Mexican league. Mm-hmm. So, definitely a player that you got to keep an eye out for on this team. And then, obviously, I really like Chucky Lozano. Uh, Jesus Corona on the other wing, really important because they're going to need them to score goals. And I think both can struggle with clinicality at times, but they'll create a lot of chances. So, mm-hmm. I think uh, in the midfield, Edson Alvarez and Hector Herrera are really key for them, not only in controlling the that area of the pitch, but also distributing to their talented you know, forward players wide. Alvarez is turning into a really key player at, at Ajax in re- recently and is just kind of entering his prime at 25, I think. Yeah. So he's one to look out for. Obviously, the old heads, Guillermo Ochoa, 37, somehow still their starting keeper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he plays for Club America now and, you know, is at the, in the twilight of his career, but somehow always seems to show out at the World Cup. He had the most saves in Russia 18. Uh, he also had that game against Brazil in 2014. Oh, yeah. Even though yeah. <laughs> where he had a ridiculous game. Uh, also, Captain Andres Guardado, mm-hmm. still taken at 36, still playing decently for Betis. Um, one interesting one interesting thing is that they, that Tata left out, um, what's his name, at, at Feyenoord. Oh. Um, he left out that kid. Yeah. What's his Why name? Why am I blanking on his name? That's, in, that's, that's embarrassing well, for us. We <laughs> cover Feyenoord, too. Look it up quick, David. I'll, yeah. I'll talk over it. Nobody nobody will know. <laughs> um, yeah, basically, Ken, my, my other point about the attack. Oh, Santiago Jimenez. Santiago Jimenez. One of the top goal scorers in the... I think he was the top goal scorer in the Europa League. We've talked about how excited of watching him for the Mexico team. We got left out of the squad. Yeah. Uh, so that is, especially because they needed, I think, a real striker, and he is a real I mean, striker. Yeah, it's what I think the, the reasoning was that his profile is too similar to Raul, but he's in better form. What I mean, Raul's gonna go. Yeah. What I don't, who I don't really like on the Mexican squad is their uh, their backup striker Funes Mori. Yeah. I feel like is every time he played in a big moment in the last two years for Mexico squad, I feel like he's kind of been a letdown. I was, like, and he's missed bad big chances. Like, and I just don't like Funes Mori. Yeah. So I would have rather had Guido on the team than Funes Mori. But that's I was about as a backup, like, to gotta say, bring on the, off the, the bench. same thing as you. Like, okay, I get that maybe you want to bring Raul Jimenez, even if he's not playing great. Mm-hmm. He's still, you know, he's got the pedigree. Funes he's Mori. shown he can, but Funes Mori, and Funes Mori is, is 31. Very good. And yeah, I agree. And but it's just another thing of Tata being like, 
he needs the vets. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Speaking of that, I know a lot of people have been pushing for Eric Gutierrez at uh-huh. PSV to start. Um, and uh, it's just hard to see him getting into this midfield because he has to bench one of Andres Guardado or Hector Herrera. Mm-hmm. You no, know, he's, in my opinion, a better player than both of them. He's just not getting starts because he can't bench the two elder statesmen because Tata just likes him so much. Yeah. I uh, mean, it's been a big complaint among yeah. a lot of the Mexican fan base. A lot of them are also really like Hector Herrera and Guardado because they've done so much for the team and they mm-hmm. like, they've proven they know that they're good and they want to see him play. But yeah. a little sad for Eric Gutierrez, who will likely be the first player off the bench mm-hmm. in these games. But but again, five substitutes, you know? Yeah. So he'll get see some a time. lot of them. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you expect from them? You want to talk about Cesar Montes? Oh, I mean, we kind of did a little bit. You know, he's just huge. Yeah. Oh, you did already. I'm yeah. sorry. He's I just, he's just massive. And I think that could be yeah. a really big difference maker when they play Poland in yeah, particular. Yeah, yeah. So uh, against Argentina, whatever. It's, yeah. He might struggle. So in terms of World Cup expectations, it's always they have to get out of the group. Mm-hmm. It's a failure if they don't hit the groups, uh, the knockouts for the eighth straight time. Mm-hmm. And obviously they want that fifth game, baby. They want that fifth game. It is crazy to me that the different expectations at the World Cup between Mexico and the U.S. whenever they're there. Like, Mexico, yeah, it's a failure if you don't get out of the group. It, yeah. it doesn't feel that way for the U.S., no. even though when they play in these CONCACAF competitions, they're always back yeah. and forth. The U.S. Right? is so behind, so far behind Mexico in, in like, legacy and, mm-hmm. and cultural relevance of the sport that it's, yeah. like, you know, it's, like, it's taken a while. <laughs> it's yeah. taken a long time. It's but yeah. And, uh... Unfortunately for Mexico, if they get out of this group, they will probably play France or Denmark in the round of 16. Yeah, who are not easy opponents. No. So uh, I, Frank Leboeuf, the ESPN commentator, has Denmark in his final. So I might also. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of just shows the quality that Denmark, who maybe really are like the Denmark. most prestigious nation, the quality that they do have. I really like Denmark. Yeah. So let's do let's wrap it up uh, Group C with Poland. 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 Oh, oh Poland. Uh, they uh, the shockingly French Poles. <laughs> shockingly, they were the third highest goal scorers in European qualifying. Is it that shocking when they have? Lewandowski? I found it shocking. Yeah, because, they're normally a very because they're regressive team. Yeah, but the attacking options these days are actually pretty damn good. So it's not as surprising as it maybe should have been for me. Yeah. Lots of goals from crosses makes sense. They have great finishers, especially Lewandowski, um, and they have good crosses of the ball. Like uh, I, I, this is a joke I heard on uh, one of the I think the athletic pearl cup preview pause today and it's like what how do you pronounce this in polish maddie cash yeah <laughs> yeah it's a really really tough polish name to say yeah but he's a he's a nice little pickup for them because he's he's, he's kind of good yeah i mean we should highlight both their fullbacks Zaluski at roma mm-hmm. as he was the online young player of the year for the uh, golden ball Ooh, so he wee. won the like general public vote golden boy baby boy yeah he was the um, baby boy he was the baby boy of the fans he's the, the fans, polls, baby boy. the polls really showed up for that vote uh-huh. really impressive but i mean he's been excellent deserves it yeah um he has been talked about i think a decent amount in the media especially in italy it just like performance has been great so him and maddie cash both very attacking fullbacks i guess wingbacks in the system Mm-hmm. Both very attacking wingbacks, gonna put in a lot of good crosses to yeah. Lewandowski and probably Milik, also up there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Zielinski. Well, I was thinking uh, for the Piatek. Cross. Piatek could be up there. Probably I, Milik. I would bet Milik. I would bet Piatek is Lua's backup. 
And then Milik is backed up instead by uh, Swiderski, mm-hmm. whose name I probably mispronounced. But sure. um, Milik, you know, in the past, I think part of the issue for Poland has been that Milik and Lua were both goal-scoring first strikers and couldn't mm-hmm. play well off of each other. Mm-hmm. So they do the same thing. They're both big. They both win headers, but always put those headers on goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now Milik has kind of developed, when he was at Marseille in particular, now that he's at Juve, He's kind of added a lot of like laying the ball off to people. He worked really well with Vlaovic as a kind of similar profile to Lewandowski. So I think there could be, like for the first time in our lifetimes, two Polish strikers that are playing off of each other mm-hmm. super well. And there's Jelinski playing been, off behind them. Yeah, he's uh, been incredible. He's been really year. good for league-leading Napoli. Mm-hmm. So to one recap... To, one of the two... Oh, no. It's also Liverpool. So... So to recap, they their strengths are in attack and on the flanks. Mm-hmm. Where their weaknesses lie are sort of more in the middle of the pitch. Mm-hmm. Midfield isn't their strongest suit. Yeah. I mean Zielinski, they don't really care about possessing the ball, but that's partially because their midfield isn't very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zielinski obviously is incredible. And then if Sheik uh, Gregoris, the uh, player at Al Shabab, he used to be at PSG. I could never pronounce his last name because mm. it's just one of those with a lot of consonants. <laughs> um, but if he was a couple years younger, you'd say this is a great midfield, but you, you don't really have a good pairing next to Zielinski. And the center I, backs, too? Yeah. The I, center backs excite you? Uh, no. Well, <laughs> uh, like, kind of, because keyword. Queer? Not queer. <laughs> 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 he's at Spezia. Okay. Um, and so I've seen him play a few times, and he's really, really good. And he's great with the ball at his feet. This is the first time. Like, he's only just been bled into the Polish squad. So I don't know how much they can rely on him. But I think he is just, like, going to be the star of their back three. The issue is, like, who do you pair next to him? It's probably Bednarek, Bednarek and yeah. Glick would be my guess, would be the two next to him. Berzinski could get in. But he has, like, no one at Sampdoria has been good. Because mm. they are second rock, bottom of Serie A. I think Elas are rock bottom. Okay. Um, so he has not been very good. So Bednarek and Glick do not excite me. Especially because Kiwior is going to step forward a little bit. And Bednarek and Glick are slow. Tell me like, more about Jakob Queer. I'm going to say Kiwior. Because <laughs> I can't pronounce... Queer? I can't pronounce Polish. I'm just going to say the Spezia center back. Polish is hard. It is. It's really hard for English speakers. Yeah. Um, Quior, you, it looks like Quior from what you Quior, mean. yeah. K-W-I-O-R? Yes. Quior? Yeah. It's I don't just, know why it would be anything else. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Poland. We, we apologize. <laughs> but, like, I mean, we have seen him play because I've watched Spezia play a few times. I've watched a lot of Serie A. And he's definitely talented. But if he's to start your defense, that's also a little questionable. Mm-hmm. You know? Um the saving grace for them is that Chesney is back in good form. Chesney. By the start of the year, he was really, really bad in goal for Juventus, but last seven, eight games, like the rest of the Juve team, he's really picked it up. Mm-hmm. So maybe if Glick and Bednarek get beat, you know, Chesney can kind of make a couple saves to keep them in games. You've also noted Sebastian Szymanski here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, next to Zielinski in the midfield. Another one of our uh, Europa League yeah, Feyenoord, he's Friends. he's really good. Um, and they just, like, they need someone next to Zielinski. And I don't know if Zemanski is going to be that great, but I think a lot of their play 
will revolve around how good he has of the tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, if he plays really well, then you're talking about one of the better midfields in the tournament. You're talking about the best striker in the world, possibly, and really good fullbacks. So if he plays well, I fully expect him to get out of the group. But I think mm-hmm. it's going to be up to him and maybe Bednarek picking up for him a little bit. All right. But, yeah, what are your expectations for them? They'll want to make it out of the group, I think. I think mm-hmm. there's a more talented team than they're used to having overall. And yeah. I think they'll feel confident that they could beat Mexico out to that second spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to get drawn against Mexico, yeah. who are a really solid team. But Poland could beat them. You know, definitely a talented team that could yeah. get out of the group. And I, I'm a little worried about like Mexico's form in the fall, too, in the international breaks. Yeah. It's pretty sketchy. I have my concerns about this Mexico team. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So let's do predictions. All right. Uh, first game we have is Argentina against Saudi Arabia. What do you have that one? Could be a tight one. I think Argentina 3-0 Saudi Arabia. I have the same score. <laughs> awesome. All right. The all-important... It's crazy to start the World Cup with probably the most important game. Mexico and Poland. I am going to go ahead and take Poland in a surprise 2-1 win. I have this as a 2-2. Two, two. I Possible. think uh, Poland could struggle defensively against Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, particularly Glick. I think it'd have a tough time out Just there. don't trust their finishing. Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. And then Poland against Saudi Arabia. I have Poland beating Saudi Arabia 3-1. to one. I have This is a 4-0, and I Oof. fully expect Lewandowski to have a hat-trick. Good lord, okay. I'd be disappointed if he doesn't. That's harsh on Saudi Arabia, man. Yeah. It is, but I just like Lua. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Mexico against Argentina. Argentina 2-1 Mexico. I have this is a 1-1 Second straight 2-1 loss. Interesting. I, I, uh, That's interesting. I think Mexico's defensive physicality could be an issue for Argentina, and I just don't trust Argentina's back line to keep a clean sheet. Okay. So, What about Poland and Argentina in the third match day? I have Poland losing 2-1 to Argentina, but it does not matter because Mexico, because they've already gotten six points and qualified, and Mexico gets a 3-1 constellation win against Saudi Arabia. Okay. So in mine, I have Poland coming in on four points and Mexico on two, mm-hmm. uh, and Argentina on four points as well at that point. So mm-hmm. really important last day, in my opinion. And I have Argentina beating Poland, so I just think they're better. And that's 2 nothing. And then I have Mexico beating Saudi Arabia, 2-1. So my final table would be Argentina, 7, Mexico, 5, Poland, 4, and Saudi Arabia, unfortunately, 0 points. But I also have Saudi Arabia on 0, but I have Argentina perfect with 9, Poland with 6, Mexico with 3. All right. And Mexico going out for the first time in 8 years. Ooh, that'd be very disappointing it's not wishful thinking i promise it's just that i don't trust the team at all yeah i understand your lack of trust for this team and i am a little hesitant to pick them but i do think i picked them initially because it's just like what they always do is go through they have the pedigree of going through and every time i'm like is this group going to be tougher than to go through they always find a way to go through yeah so i think that's probably Poland might be a little too reliant on players who are informed you know because sometimes the world cup the form kind of disappears because it's a totally different setting Mm-hmm. You know, you're not playing next to the same guy. So, like, Zielinski isn't a, necessarily a world-class player, but he's in world-class form. And I don't know if that holds. So, Lewski, same thing. Matty Cash, I think, similarly, where it's like they're playing a little better than their talent might be. So, coming out of that domestic setting and into the international one can kind of 
mess with your form a little bit. Maybe. I like the good vibes, though. Yeah, I, I always back the good vibes right I now. always back the good vibes. You do love your vibes. I love my vibes. And speaking of, Thanks. that's the end of group C mm-hmm. for cock. That is highly inappropriate. <laughs> Group C, children that listen to this podcast. Group C maybe. is in the books. We'll see you next time for group yeah. D for please do not diplomacy. Okay, there we go. Between diplomacy, the Gulf states. favorite thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Maybe. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you on the other side of next time you click on our podcast. The other side of next time you click on our podcast? Yeah, because it's going to happen after they click on our podcast. Grammatically, oh, it makes sense.